uh, a couple, well, it's been about three weeks ago, we began a new uh, series, and it's going to be about seven weeks, and uh, a very simple series, just, it's just called, Just Give Me Jesus. Every once in a while, uh, you just have to remind yourselves of the basics, and it's, it's good to get back to basics, and uh, it's a necessary thing. And so we're just looking at Jesus. We've looked at the fact that Jesus is God. We've looked at, on, at our, on our second study, we looked at Jesus is man. And today we're going to look at, at the subject of Jesus is Lord. And we'll talk about the fact that Jesus is Savior, Jesus is the Bridegroom, Jesus is the High Priest, and we'll end our, our uh, series with Jesus is, is, the, is our friend. But today we want to look at Jesus is Lord. Now, for those of you that have grown up in church, you've heard that. I mean, that's just... He, Jesus is what? Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus Christ. We've heard that, we've heard that, we've heard that. But the reality of it is, it has some very deep meaning. Uh, whether you want to admit this or not, every person in this room, every person on this planet has a master. They serve somebody. Now, we don't, we don't like that as Americans. We're kind of like the Pharisees that Jesus, uh, when he was talking to, the, to them, they said, no, 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 we're not slaves. We're Abraham's children. And, and the reality of it is, is, is if you're alive, you serve somebody. I remember when I went into plumbing business, all my buddies that I plumbed with at the company I worked for said, oh, man, you're going to be your own boss. You won't have to listen to the boss no more. And I, I realized... I, got, I left one boss for a myriad of bosses. Uh, I had the, 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 the state officials, the county officials, every little city official. I had the federal government, the IRS, everybody. I, all of a sudden, my bosses, I couldn't keep up with all of them. And every time it came time to write a check for myself, I found a new boss. If you, if you understand, what, those of you that have been in business, you know what I'm talking about. People don't like that, but that's reality. We all bow to somebody. Uh, we rebel against that. As Americans, we're, we're, you know, we're free. Well, we are free, but we still have someone who's in charge. In 1979, I'm, I'm on, well, I, I don't mind. I mean, I grew up with Bob Dylan, okay? Now, I didn't grow up with him personally, but I grew up with his music, okay? All right? Uh, and, and there's just all this stuff going in my head right now that I'm just having to fight because I, I do this really good imitation of him, but I'm not going to do it, okay? I mean, I mean I say, there you go. I, I just can't go there. I mean, today you can't hardly understand what Bob's saying. But, but as a young kid, Bob Dylan was kind of the, he was the voice of a generation. I mean, he really was. He, he had something to say. And, and I wasn't aware of this at the time, but as I've, as I've read about Dylan, as I've looked at some things, he, he, wrote, he, he wrote gospel music as well. And he wrote a song in, in 1979, and he recorded it. It's, it's called Gotta Serve Somebody. And I can, I mean, I can hear it. Okay, I've got the words up here. I'm just not, I've decided I'm not going to go through it. I mean, it's fine, though. But, but Dylan, he, he wrote a song. And in that song, he mentioned a lot of different vocations. I mean, doctors, nurses, preachers, uh, people that own companies, bankers, uh, even people's names. 
I mean, y'all have heard, uh, you know, I got to read this because I, I really, there used to be a skit where you can call me Ray, you can call me Jay. You, y'all wanna, you know where it came from? It came out of this song. He says, you can call me Terry, you can call me Timmy, Bobby, Zimmy, RJ, or you can call me Ray. Serves. You've got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. And then he, he, he poses a line in that song that is a theological truth, okay? As, as strange as you may think Bob Dylan is, this is truth right here. He says, well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And that's really, when you boil everything down, we either serve Jesus or we serve the devil. There's no in-between. You say, well, I'm sorry. You're either in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. That, that's it. That's the only two choices we have. He, he, he says it very simply, but, but he just sums it up. As a believer, and, and for many of you who've grown up in church, yes, Jesus is your Savior. And he's your friend, and he's our, he's our constant companion, and he's the sacrifice of our sins. But he is also Lord, okay? He's Lord. During the time I was going to Bible college in the in the in the 90s, there was a big debate in theological circles, and and they, these guys these were not conservatives and liberals, okay? These were not people who believed everything and people who just believed it. These were, these were conservative people. There was a great debate over the lordship of, of Jesus, over lordship salvation is what it was called. Could Jesus save you and not be your Lord? Or put it another way, could Jesus be your Savior and not your Lord? And, and, and there, was a, there was a huge debate. And, and there were friendships that were severed, and, and books were written, and churches were split. And, it was, it's, and a lot of people would say, well, it was just semantics. Okay, there was a group that said, yes, Jesus could be your savior, but you have to make him your Lord. And then there was a group that said, no, you know, if he's your savior, he is your Lord. And I want you all to be real clear this morning because I'm going to tell you what I think. And this is not what I think. This is what I think and what I know the Bible teaches. All right. So I'm, I'm not I, if you leave here this morning and you don't get where I stand, you've missed it. Okay. Jesus is Lord. All right. It's just that simple. Jesus is Lord. Now, I read all the books and, and I respected people on both sides of the, of, the, of the argument. But here's the reality. You and I don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. All right? We bow to His Lordship. We submit to His Lordship. But whether I do or I don't does not change who He is. Okay? He has been Lord since the very beginning, and He will be Lord into eternity. He will always be Lord. He never changes. And so what I do or you do does not change who He is. What He's done changes who we are. And the demons and the devils, they may not acknowledge this moment that Jesus is Lord, but they will. And there are tons of folks on this planet who won't say that. They won't, they won't agree with you that, that Jesus is Lord, but they will. And folks, the graves are filled with people who didn't, but they will. Because there's going to come a moment 
When every knee, according to Scripture, and it's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, this is what it says. Therefore also God highly exalted him. Exalted who? Jesus. And he bestowed on him the name. Not a name, but the name. Which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess. And this is what, this was what will be confessed when those knees bow. And those tongues are loosed. Jesus Christ is Lord. Every creature that can speak. Will declare that. Whether it's demon. Humans. Or angels. They will all declare one day. There will be an agreement. Yes. Jesus is Lord. The wonderful thing is. Is we don't have to wait. Till that day. Because here, here's just. You know this is pretty simple. Scripture is pretty simple. If it's got to be forced out of you. You're probably not going to spend eternity with him okay Jesus is Lord well what does that mean what does Lord mean that's what I this morning we're just going to look at this very quickly but in the Old Testament God is is often referred to as the Lord God and every time you see the Lord God what that is 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 it's Yahweh Elohim Elohim is 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 God that, that's the word that's always translated God. And Lord is, is the word, the Hebrew word, Yahweh. But the, the Hebrews would never write that word. It was so holy. It, 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 it is so, so pure and so sacred that they wouldn't write it. They still don't. You, you can get, you can get uh, Jewish writings today and sometimes you'll see the word Adonai or you'll see a blank. And what, what goes in there is, is, is Yahweh. That's God's covenant name. But, but when God gave that name to Moses, He says, I am, the, I am Lord. I'm Lord. First time it occurs is in Genesis chapter 2. And in that verse, God declares, or, or, or the Scriptures declare, that God is master by virtue of creation. In other words, He is Lord because He made everything. Now, you, you just... Can't really argue with that. Amen? You, I mean, he, he, he created it all. Therefore, he's the boss, in a sense. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and earth. God spoke them into being. Throughout the Old Testament, like I mentioned, the, the Jews refused to, to use that name. It, it was Adonai, or, it was, or they substituted Lord there. And a lot of times in your, in your Bible, some of your translations will have capital L, smaller capital O, smaller capital R, capital D, small. That'll be, that's Yahweh, that's the word that's the covenant name of God there. And, and what happens is it's been translated into English, Lord. Yet throughout the Old Testament, God is seen as master. Okay? He's, he's the Lord. Now you get to the New Testament. There's only one word for Lord. It's kurios. That's the Greek word, kurios. And it means master. It means owner of, of possessions. Or it was a designation that was given for God. It was it, Lord. 
That's what it translated into. In common usage, it, it kind of applied to, to people in high positions. You had, you had kings that were, were, were called lords, and you had leaders that were called lords, or you had a ruler who considered himself a god, okay, who had been deified. In, in the Roman culture, that would have been the Caesars. In the Greek culture, that would have been Alexander the Great. And in some of the other cultures, uh, the, the king or the emperor was considered to be a god. Pharaoh was considered to be a god in Egypt, uh, some of the uh, Persian kings were considered to be God. Sometimes they declared themselves God, okay? And sometimes the people declared it. But they were known as Lord. That's what it meant. In essence, Lord means master. That's a very simple definition. But it's one, that, that word master and that, and that word Lord carries the essence of one who has the strength and the validity and the power and the authority of supreme leadership. In other words, they're in charge. And there's no denying it. In the Roman Empire, Caesar was considered Lord. In fact, once a year, every Roman citizen had to go down to one of the temples. And they had to take a, a pinch of incense. And they had to, to put it in on the altar. And they had to proclaim verbally where it could be heard by an official who noted it. In the records, that Caesar is Lord Caesar or Caesar Curios. Folks, that's the reason that so many thousands of Christians were martyred and crucified. When it came their time, they only had one Lord. And they could not pinch the incense, put it on the altar, and declare that or Caesar Curios or they couldn't say that. And they were, they were arrested. They were taken away. You know why they were arrested? They were enemies of the state. They would not vow their allegiance to Caesar. You know, that doesn't seem like much, does it? It's a big deal. Instead of saying that Caesar was Lord, for them... Christ was Lord. They would say, Christos Kurios. Everybody in the room would, you know, oh my goodness. Soldiers would come. They were taken away. See, it was more than a word for them. It was something that they believed. You'll hear me say this more than once this morning. We act and we live out what we believe. The rest of it we just talk about. Now, I'll guarantee you, 99% of the people in the Roman Empire no more believed Caesar was a god than, than anybody else. But they were willing to do that so that they could keep their job, keep their family, keep their property, and go about life. But there were men and women who believed Jesus was Lord, and they were willing to die for that. That's why we're still here as part of a church, as, 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 a, as a viable part of the church, because there were men and women who had those convictions. They believed that Jesus was Lord, that Kurios is Christos, Christ is Lord. Now, Jesus referred to himself over and over in Scripture, or he's referred to in, in the Scriptures over and over as the Lord, or the Lord Jesus, 
or the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's kind of the full title, which is Jesus. He is Lord and He is the Anointed One. That's the Christ, that's what Christ means, the Anointed One. Lord means He is, he is, he is Master, He is His King. And Jesus even referred to himself that way in a few passages. Just prior to, to going into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he called two of his disciples to himself. And he said, I want you to go into town, and I want you to look around, and you'll find a colt of a donkey tied to a, you know, I don't know what they called it, but I, in my mind it's the little hitching post you see in the westerns. I, you know, it may have been a tree, it could have been anything. And so... These two guys, they, they kind of look at each other. Well, Lord, every donkey in Jerusalem is going to be tied to a tree or hit you. How are we going to know? I mean, you know, I mean and, and besides that, how are we going to know that this guy knows you? I mean, y'all ever read the Bible that way and understand exactly where the people he, he's talking to, what they're thinking? Because that's the way we think. They go, Lord, they're going to put us in jail for donkey thief. You know, they're going to hang us because we stole somebody's donkey. And this is what Jesus said. He said, if anyone says to you, what, why are you doing this? You say the Lord has need of it. He, called, he refers to himself as the Lord. The Lord has need of it. And immediately he'll send it back to you. That's Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 2 and 3. Now, they go off and they, they bring the donkey back. And you know the story. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is called Lord by others. Other men and women refer to him as Lord. There were two blind, I mean two lepers, or a leper that came to Jesus in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And, and this was his statement to Jesus. Lord, this, the address, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus say? I'm willing. You see, this leper knew who Jesus was. You are the master of all creation. You're the boss. And I'm just humbling myself before you. If you want to, it's up to you. Because I know you can. That's what he's saying. You can make me clean. Folks, lepers did not get healed. The last person healed in Israel of leprosy that was a Jew was Miriam, Moses' sister. No other Jew had been healed in Israel of leprosy until Jesus came. And the only person we have recorded was Naaman the Syrian, who was healed by Elisha. Hadn't been anybody. And this guy comes to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. There were others that came. There were two blind men that were, they were sitting beside the road and they're crying out. And they were asking uh, what, they were just crying out and, 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 and just shouting and trying to get Jesus' attention. They knew Jesus was passing by. There's a huge crowd. And so Jesus asked them what they want. So okay, what, what do you want me to do for you? And listen to what they say in Matthew chapter 20, verse 33. Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Now, this is not on the subject, but I'm going to give you two or three more verses this morning, and I just gave you two. But when Jesus says, what do you want? Tell him what you want. Well, pastor, you know, there's a lot more people got a lot more important stuff than me. Listen, if Jesus asks you what you want, don't bait around the bush. Just tell him. He's there to, if he comes and he asks, he's there to meet a need. And if we just admit that need, 
It just cuts to the chase. Amen. I love the, these people that they had no hope. And so what did they say? Well, well, Lord, if you could just make it a little easier on us, flip a coin in our cup. Now, that's not what they asked for. They said, Lord, open our eyes. We want to see. You, you get to, to the Syrophoenician woman there in Matthew chapter 15, 25. She was a, she was a Gentile. And Jesus had taken his disciples on a, on a little retreat. And they were, you know, they were there together. And this Syrophoenician woman, this Canaanite woman, comes to Jesus. And, and her child, her little girl, is demonized. And she has no idea what to do. She just knows this man can help her. And there's a conversation that goes back and forth. And, and, and sometimes we don't understand Jesus. Well, Jesus, I mean... Even the dogs? I mean, what's, what's, this, what's this conversation? Well, what Jesus was doing, he's just saying, you know what, I've been sent to the house of Israel. That's my first and foremost job. And this woman says, but Lord, even the dogs eat scraps from the table. When they fall on the floor. Even the, oh, we just, all I want is a little bit of the overflow, Lord. I'm not asking for much. And so, you know what she says? She begs. She says, Lord, help me. Help me. I love Peter, okay? Peter is like most of us. He says something, and then he usually doesn't have enough in his back pocket to back up what he says. Any of y'all like that? We want to be this way, but sometimes we just don't make it. He says, Lord, if it's you, and literally, folks, translated correctly, it's, Lord, since it's you, I recognize it's you out there on the wave. Command me to come to you. Jesus says, come. One word, come. Now, Peter crawls off the side of the boat, and he walks. I don't know how far he walked. I don't know how long he walked, but he walked. Okay? All of a sudden, Scripture says that he began to look around. And he sees the height of the ways. He, he can hear the wind blowing. And he becomes terrified. And what happens? I love what he says. Lord, save me. Okay? I could care less about the guys in the boat. You save me. It's just simple. See, we need to learn to pray like that. Because most, I mean, I'm learning. I'm, I, I'm learning to write, okay? And what I'm learning is the fewer words you use, the better your writing is. We like to be flowery and descriptive, and we, we write that way, we talk that way, we pray that way. We really do. If we could just boil our prayers down to, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Lord, I need this. It'd be a lot more realistic. I love Peter. Lord, save me. And then you come to the last illustration I want to give you this morning of, of others talking about Jesus as Lord. After the resurrection, most of you know the story of Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. Okay, but Thomas becomes the guy who doubts. Can I just tell you something? 
They all ran away and left Jesus on the night he was rested. 100% across the board. One of them denied him three times. The others denied him with their absence. Only John kind of stays in there based on, on his gospel. And he doesn't draw any attention to himself. He never says it. It's just kind of based. You take it away from reading the gospel of John because he sees some things none of the other disciples wrote. But yet Thomas is doubting Thomas. Okay, The rest of them were in the room when Jesus appeared. They got to see him firsthand. That's why they had faith. And so Thomas, you know, they, they, they're excited. They're pumped, okay? They've seen Jesus. He's not dead anymore. See, when you read the Gospels with, with eyes, realistic eyes, they're not sure what's happened on resurrection morning. Even though some of them have been to the tomb, they're not sure. It kind of leaves Peter at the door just kind of wondering. Now John runs in, but they're still wondering. And Jesus appears. And, and there's no doubt anymore. He, hey, he's alive. And they say, hey, we've seen Jesus. And what does Thomas say? You know what, I'm, I, I can't believe until I put my fingers in those scars and I touch his side. And so Jesus shows up. And, and, and Jesus meets Thomas right where Thomas needs to be met. And can I just say this to every person in this room? He'll meet you where you need to be met at. That's how much he loves us. And so he meets Thomas and he says, Thomas, stretch forth your hands. In other words, touch them. You know what Thomas says? It never indicates that he even reached out. It just says this in John chapter 20, verse 28. It says, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas makes the declaration of deity. My Lord, and you're, you're not just my Lord, you're my God. You're the deal. And so there were men and women that did this. After the resurrection, Jesus is often referred to as the Lord Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter, when Peter preaches uh, to the same Jews who had called for the death of Jesus, this is what he declares in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him. Who? Jesus. God has made Jesus Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. In other words, I mean, you're talking about Hellfire and brimstone, it got quiet. He says, Jesus Christ, the one you crucified, is Lord. He's Lord. He's Christ. He's the Messiah. You crucified, that's what he's saying. You crucified the Messiah. And it got really quiet. When the Philippian jailer, after the earthquake, when the, when the, the, the prison is just crumbling, his house is crumbled, and, and, and all he can think about is these prisoners are loose, and I'm a dead man. Because, you see, when you had prisoners, when you were left to guard prisoners, you gave your life in exchange for theirs. If they were not where they were supposed to be when they, were, when they, were, when they came for arraignment or they came for punishment, guess who took their place? A guy who was guarding them. They didn't sleep a lot on guard duty. 
And so when, 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 the, when the earthquake hit, hits and, and Paul and Silas have been praying and they've been singing, he, he runs up to them and he's, he, he asks them, what do I do to be saved? And they say this, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved, you and your household. Folks, the last two verses in the scriptures affirm that Jesus is Lord. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 and 21, it says this. He who testifies to these things, that's, that's Jesus. He who testifies, or that's John, yes. Or no, it's Jesus, I'm sorry. Yes, I am coming quickly. Jesus said, I am coming quickly. And then John says this, amen. So be it. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then he closes, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Even in the last two verses of Scripture, it's the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord, folks. I don't know how else to say this. I don't know how to explain it any, any, any easier. It's just plain. He is Lord. We don't make Him Lord. He is Lord. Okay? Do any of you, in, in the process of your life, did you become human? No, when you were born, you just were human, right? Jesus is Lord. He's always been Lord. And He'll always be Lord. Now, maybe you're here, and deep down inside of your mind, as you're preparing for barbecue, and fun, and the lake, and all those kind of things, you're going, I know this. What's the big deal? Why is this so important? Why do you keep railing on this, Nelson? Well, there's something I've learned in my 58 years of existence on this planet. Talk is cheap. Amen? You can say whatever you want. But here's the reality. What we believe, we live. We act out. We can say whatever we want to say, but what we truly believe, we do. And the rest we just kind of talk about. So my question this morning is this. Do you really believe that Jesus is Lord? Is He the Lord Jesus Christ to you? That's really the question. Is He your Lord? See, I'm not asking you this morning. Please hear me. I'm not asking you that if you've ever walked down an aisle and if you've been in a... In a Baptist church or a, even a Methodist church or Presbyter, well, possibly a Presbyterian church. Probably so. Uh, uh, Assembly of God, Church of God. There's probably an invitation time and you stepped out and you walked down and you took a pastor's hand. I'm not asking you that this morning. Okay? I'm not asking you if you've knelt at an altar and prayed a prayer with a pastor. I'm not asking you if you've been confirmed or baptized or ordained. I'm not really concerned how long you've claimed to have been a Christian. What I'm asking you this morning is, do you really believe that Jesus is Lord? So you either really believe that, or you don't believe that. That there's, there's it's either, either or, it's not both and. You see, if you truly believe that Jesus is Lord, it will change the way we live. 
And if it does not change the way we live, then Jesus, although He is Lord, in our mind, He's really not. Does that make sense? See, the church is filled with people who, who give lip service to the fact that Jesus is Lord, but it hasn't changed their lifestyles. They're still doing what they want to do when they want to do it in the way they want to do it. Not the way the Lord wants it done. There, there are not just moments. Their lifestyles lived like that. And if you pressed them, they would say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, He certainly is. But their lives don't prove it. You remember those first Christians? When it came their time in line, it was pinch the incense and say, Caesar is Lord. Or, see, we don't have that today. And I'm not advocating that we do that, okay? I'm just saying that if Jesus really is our Lord, if He's really your Lord, it will change the way you live in every aspect. If you truly believe it, 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 it'll change the way you behave. It'll change your attitudes. It'll change the way you think, the way you talk. It will transform you. It'll transform you not from this way in, but from here out. And I'm going to say this, and this may hurt somebody's feelings. I, I, I hope not, but this is just the truth. If, you, if, you, if it doesn't, okay? If it doesn't change you, then you really don't love Jesus. Okay? Well, no, 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 Pastor. I, I love the Jesus who's, who's meek and mild and does this and this and this. Yeah, but you don't love the Jesus of Scripture. You don't love the Jesus who hung on the cross and died to redeem you. That word redeem sounds really nice, but it means he bought you. He bought me. He purchased us. Literally, when, it, when the word redemption and the word redeemed is used in Scripture, it, is, it had a picture. Okay? It had a picture of people standing around a, a, a circle, and in the middle of that circle was a block. And on that block stood a human being with a chain around their neck. They were slaves. And the, to, to buy a slave was to redeem. It was redemption. They would pay a certain uh, amount of money. They would redeem that slave. That slave would then become their slave. That's the picture that the New Testament takes from culture and puts into the spiritual realm when it talks about Jesus being our Savior. The Savior was the deliverer, the one who went down and redeemed the slave. In the Old Testament, Hosea was married to a prostitute. Her name was Gomer. Gomer uh, would run away and come back and run away and come back. She was living immorally. Finally, she got so pitiful that she, was sold, that she sold herself into slavery. And Gomer's a picture of Jesus. I mean, Hosea is a picture. Gomer is a picture of us. Okay, Hosea goes down to the to the slave auction. Now just put yourself in Hosea's place. I mean, she is as much as he loves her. She is a source of tremendous pain and embarrassment. I mean, he can't go out in public without going, 
there's, there's Gomer's old man. He's an idiot. Y'all live in the same culture. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And what does he do? He goes down and he redeems her. He buys her back out of slavery. That's what Jesus did for us, folks. That's what our Lord did for us. And he's Lord. But if we don't, if that doesn't change us from the inside out, then we don't really love Jesus. We love the idea of Jesus. And there's a big difference. You see, Jesus created us, okay? So that makes him Lord, all right? Jesus sustains us. How many of you realize that unless he gives us our next breath, that's what we do, every one of us. He sustains us. Therefore, he's Lord. I've already driven this nail in, but he's redeemed us. He's purchased us with his blood and, and with his broken body on the cross so, so that we're no longer ourselves, okay? We, we don't own ourselves. We're Americans, yes. But you know what? When you came to Christ, he paid the purchase price for you and brought you to himself. You didn't come to him. He drew you to himself. He chose you. He didn't get you for free. It cost him himself. He bought you. He purchased you. So he's Lord. And if that's so, and it is, then we should live differently. Amen? It's a pretty simple sermon. If Jesus is Lord, then it ought to be reflected in our lives, in our speech, in our attitudes, in how we live. Now, it is progressive, okay? We don't become perfect the moment we come to Christ. It's a progressive thing, but there's, there's, a, there's a pattern of growth, okay? Do we mess up? Sure we do. But there's a pattern of growth in our lives that show Jesus is Lord. We shouldn't be doing what culture tells us to do in every situation. We shouldn't be doing what our friends tell us to do. In every situation. We shouldn't be doing what peer pressure demands. Or even. I mean I know this is probably not going to go well. We shouldn't be doing what we want to do. Necessarily. We should be doing what Jesus. Wants us to do. Jesus put it this way. In Luke chapter 6. Verse 46 and 48. He says. Why do you call me. Lord. Lord. And do not do what I say. Wow. I, 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 there's another one over in, and, and we'll come back to this in a minute. But over in John 14, 15, Jesus says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He's saying the same thing in those two verses. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not obey me? Why do you say you love me? And you don't do what I tell you. See, our obedience is tied to our love. They're really the same thing. If I love Jesus, I'll obey Him. If I obey Him, it shows what? That I love Him. 
Jesus says very clearly in this passage here, he says, he says, and why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them. There, there's the key. It's not enough to hear the words of God. I have to act on them. Why do I have to act? Because if I act on them, it means I believe them. It shows what I believe, where I put my trust. He says this, I will show you whom that person is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the waters, the floods rose, the torrents burst against the house, couldn't shake it because it had been built well. The other side of that is, is the man who doesn't is like a man who's built his house on sand. Have you ever been to the beach and built a little sand castle? What happens when the waves start to come in? That sand castle begins to disappear. At first, it, it kind of tilts because the water washes the sand out away. It washes away its foundation. There's no foundation. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. And if you come back out the next day, you have no even clue where the sand castle was ever built. It's, it's totally different. Folks, that's what it means. That's what it's like when we declare Jesus as Lord, but it does not change who we are. It means nothing. Folks, voluntary obedience is a visible sign of the, of the Lordship of Christ in our life. It's a, it's a visual declaration that we love Jesus. To say that, that Jesus is Lord, that He's my Lord, is to declare that I no longer have any rights to what I want. Say, so, well, Nelson, you could have stopped preaching a minute or two ago and I've gone to lunch and enjoyed this Labor Day weekend. That'd been good. Well, but I wouldn't have said what I needed to say. See, when Jesus is our Lord, what we want is no longer important. Because when Jesus is Lord, it means we submit ourselves, we surrender to what He wants. What I say, I mean, in fact, it says this. I'm no longer my own. I belong to Jesus. I'm no longer in charge. I bow my knee. And I humble my heart. And I defer to Jesus. Well, Nelson, would you like to do this? In my head, I've got to be asking, Lord, is this what you want me to do? I mean, sure, man. My flesh wants to do that right there. It's not bad, okay? But, Lord, do you want me to do this? Is this what you want for me? You see... I no longer am really alive. I mean, that's what Peter, I mean, Paul said. See, this is not some warm and fuzzy phrase that we throw around in our prayers or in conversations that make us sound spiritual, folks. It's not some magic word that tickles God's ears and makes him do what we want him to do. It's not. It's not an empty title. Folks, it's, it is bending our knee, not, not necessarily our physical knee, but the knees of our will, the knees of our, our heart. And it's confessing with our heart and with our mouth the reality that Jesus is my Lord. He's my master. And I am here to serve him, not the other way around. Folks, a lot of people that are in the church think God is here to serve them. He's not. Now he pours out his grace on the just and the unjust. And he meets our needs. 
But folks, he's not Aladdin's lamp. When I'm in trouble, I don't rub it, throw a few prayers on them, and he acts. He's God. He's Lord. He's the creator of the universe, folks. It's far more than a movement on my lips and my tongue. It, it's, it's a continual action of my mind, my will, and my emotions. Paul put it this way. And when I read this verse, I'm pretty much through. Here's the perfect definition of what lordship looks like in a person's life. Okay? You, if you wonder what, what lordship and Jesus is living it out means, here, here's a pretty good definition. It's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, I'm hanging there with him. And it's no longer I who live. In other words, I died on the cross. It's but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. What, what Paul says there basically is, I died, and now you see me, but you're just seeing the dead one in whom Christ lives. Folks, that's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. It's not a phrase. It's not a walk down an aisle. It's not a prayer we pray. It's not a nice Phrase that escapes our lips. It's a lifestyle. Day in and day out. So let me ask you this question. Then we're going to pray. Is Jesus your Lord? Not, not the person next to you. Not my, my child or my husband or my wife. Don't worry about them. Okay. Everybody stands in the line, just like in the early church, just like in Rome. Everybody stands in the line, and everybody has to proclaim one way or the other. Okay, You can do it here, you can do it now in this life, but you will do it in the next life. Let me ask you the question, is Jesus your Lord? Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.